0: Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast, and registered professional engineer, Bill Spone.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk Podcast. It's our goal here at the Res Talk Podcast to communicate lake-breaking news and thoughtful insights about a broad array of topics in the rapidly expanding world of residential energy ratings to the broader wave stakeholders in the ResNet ecosystem. So whether you're a housing consumer, rater, builder, realtor, appraiser, you wanna hear about the evolving trends in home energy ratings. So what does the highway bill or HR2 have to do with builders and raiders? And what's happened to the builder's tax credit over the course of the last few months and what's in store as we head towards and through the upcoming presidential election? Better known as 45L, section 45L, C, 1A and B, Of the U.S. Internal Revenue Code, which was actually developed by David Goldstein of the NRDC, offers a $2,000 federal tax credit to builders for each energy-efficient home that they build and sell. As you may know, the credit has lived an unsteady life, being on again and off again over the years since its inception, making it difficult for builders to act on this with much certainty at all. It's important to realize that the trillion-dollar moving forward package proposed by the Democratic House Caucus contains a proposal to amend the 45L tax credit and create a performance-based path tied to the IECC. So today, join us as we discuss 45L, as it's known, with Carl Chidlow, a registered federal lobbyist, and Steve Baden, and learn of the history, perspectives, and future opportunities for this tax credit. We'll hear about the over 300 ResNet small business owners who signed on a letter to Congress to support this and how you can get involved. We have some information in the show notes where you can download and access an advocate toolkit from the ResNet website and actually learn how to be involved with this. So take a few minutes to listen in as we talk about the 45L text credit with Carl and Steve.
2: Good morning, Carl. Could you introduce yourself? Sure. Great to meet you. My name is Carl Chidlow. I live in Alexandria, Virginia, and I'm a federally registered lobbyist here in Washington, DC for ResNet, and I've been representing the organization for about ten years now. That's a big long
1: history with ResNet. It's probably seen a lot of change throughout that period.
2: I have. Uh, The one continuing thing is Steve Baden. Okay, so that's a good uh, segue to say, Steve, introduce yourself.
3: I'm Steve Baden, and I'm executive director of ResNet. I've had a long interest in this. I've worked on one form or the other on the federal tax credit for energy efficient homes since its inception as an idea. Spent a lot of time walking the halls of Congress with uh, Carl Well, first, initially getting the bill passed in the first place, working with David Goldstein of NRDC, and then keeping it alive with uh, Carl walking the halls. So I think that this has shown me this credit is important to me because I think it was really effective in terms of what it was intended to do, and that was the market transformation to get builders to build more efficient homes.
1: Carl, can you enlighten us on the whole topic of the 45L tax credit, maybe a little bit of history and where it stands now and some of the challenges and changes that have happened?
2: Sure. I can talk to you about the, the past 10 years. The credit has usually had a one-year lifespan. We've constantly been trying to speak to members of the Ways and Means Committee in the House, which is the Tax Writing Committee and the Senate Finance Committee, and just uh, establishing good relationships with. The policy professionals who handle the energy uh, portfolio on the tax side. It may come as no surprise to anyone on this uh, podcast that the credit is uh, expected to expire again at the end of this year. So it would require some action by Congress to renew it yet again. But the good news is that due to some of our advocacy and work with other stakeholders, we've, I think, made great progress on the understanding that there needs to be more than a one-year lifespan to the credit. Builders and ResNet members need to be able to forecast and plan, and having an on-again, off-again situation with an important tax policy, it doesn't make a lot of sense. 45L has usually been carried through and refreshed and renewed, well, mostly renewed, through what's called the Extender's Bill, which is a package of laws that apply to other tax credits in the code. So it's usually carried across the finish line with uh, a bunch of other special interest provisions, but we've been able to maintain some focus on it and uh, the need for a multi-year platform. The good news is there's a proposal out there which actually has passed the house that includes a sort of a refreshment of the 45L New Homes Tax Credit, which would give it a five-year lifespan that's what we're trying to be focused on for the coming congress I expect that Congress will come to a exhausted finish the pandemic has obviously changed the way business is conducted here in this country in the capital but they'll probably throw together a large what they call omnibus package continuing funding for the agencies but also throwing in some various provisions that may expire at the end of the year so we expect 45l to be renewed in its current form, but the hope is that this proposal that's out there now, promoted by the Democratic House leadership, could be the game of the future. So I'm happy to go into some of the details on the new proposal.
3: Carl, before that, maybe I could give a basic explanation of what the tax credit is and sort of the history that got us to where we are. I think Carl did a good job, but I think the listeners would be interested in seeing why this was created and in, in its origins. But going to the basics of it is the 45L, which is the refers to the section in the IRS code that this deals with is a $2,000 federal business tax credit for builders who build and sell a home that is at least 50% more efficient than the International Energy Conservation Code or IECC. It is not a straight performance. It can't be tied to a HERS index because there are things that are not included such as the calculations of the savings of the hot water system are not part credited in the current tax credit. And then it also sets a certain percentage of savings that must be achieved in the building shell improvements. But getting into the history of this, this was really started under the administration of George W. Bush. It was included as part of a comprehensive national energy policy act. And I may note that that was probably the last comprehensive energy legislation that's been enacted since. But I think the credit, a lot of the credit goes to this as David Goldstein, as I mentioned before, of the NRDC. He developed this concept and, and literally spent hours and hours of talking to congressmen about this. And he was able to knit an interesting bipartisan support of this. And this was a really true, I know these terms are not used much anymore, but this was a true bipartisan effort supported it was co equally co-sponsored by a Republican and a Democrat in the House and the Senate. And again, it was part of President Bush's Energy Policy Act. And I myself, I know I spent a lot of time walking the halls of Congress educating them on the value of an improved housing. It was designed as a market transformation effort with an expected life of ten years, but as Carl stated, it's only been extended in fits and starts since then. Most time the car that the tax credit has expired and then extended in what Carl called the tax extenders bill that usually one year forward, one year back. We had several years where it only went one year back. So the tax credits were only awarded retroactively. In 2006, the credit was amended from the basis of being the original 2003 version of the IECC. To the 2006 version of the ICC, and no changes have been made since then. So the marker of this is over a decade old, and is another reason why there's interest in Congress of updating it. As Carl uh, stated, the fits and starts have made it very difficult to builders to plan on the credit, which has blunted its effectiveness that it could be. And as Carl said, for years, RESNET has advocated to Congress to amend the credit uh, to be based on full performance and then a dependable, reasonable time period to allow builders to be able to plan for this and move forward. Again, as I said before, I think I've seen because of the initial effort of the credit, significant changes were made in the first two years. Homes became much more efficient. Builders found very interesting ways to be able to meet the credit and continue their building practice. The problem is with the fits and starts, they were not able to be plan enough for the tax credit to start changing their production lines, to go to the next step forward. And this is what lays us where we are now. And as Carl said, currently, unless something's done at the end, tail end of this Congress in the middle of a presidential election, the tax credit is going to die on December 30th, 2020. So this gives the the need for what uh, Carl described before to move and to extend it.
1: Thank you, Steve. And Carl, can we turn to the thought? train there of where you're headed with uh, current status and that kind of thing?
3: If folks
2: are interested in in looking at the proposal, it's uh, very deeply in a a much larger legislative package, which folks can look up by going to congress.gov. And the bill that you would want to reference is HR2, which is called the Moving Forward Act. So the 45L details are found in Section 90424. So imagine a bill with 9,000 sections, but Section 90424 is where the current proposal sits. And as I mentioned before, this has passed the House of Representatives. It is not under consideration by Mitch McConnell in the Senate. And as folks may know, if legislation does not pass, by the end of a congressional term which is also going to end in December then it has to be reintroduced in the next congress the democratic caucus back in early february released this broad moving forward package some may refer to this this isn't exactly the green new deal it's much more moderate in its approach but it is heavily focused on climate change and sustainability it was mostly a trillion dollar response to the back and forth with the White House on infrastructure policy. So the good news is that energy efficiency for homes is now considered part of a broader national infrastructure conversation. So that's, I think, a huge step forward. It's We're not pigeonholed in a small, arcane policy discussion, but we're part of Rebuilding America or, as Vice President Biden would refer to in his convention speech, Build Back Better or make America great again, choose which one you like. But anyway, infrastructure policy is now included in home construction. So that's a very positive move forward. The proposal is to amend the existing 45L credit, create a performance-based path, as Steve mentioned, tied to the IECC. In this case, it would be tied to the 2018 version of the IECC. And this bill passed the House back in July, HR2, as I mentioned, and it was part of a reauthorization effort for the National Highway Trust Fund, which is probably the broadest, most substantial infrastructure vehicle that exists. So the highway bill was the thing that brought this conversation forward. And once the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee put that bill out, the Speaker and some of the other committee chairs, along with Energy and Commerce Ways and Means and other committees sort of weighed in and made this a much broader environmental proposal. It has passed the House. It was an incredibly partisan vote. I think there were only two Democrats that voted against it and all Republicans voted against it. So it's a Democratic-only proposal right now. But H.R. 2 is definitely something that I see being reintroduced in the next Congress. And should the political environment change, let's say there's a, a new administration or Democrats somehow take control of the Senate, I see this thing as something that moves very, very quickly in the next Congress. It's important to note that we support the nuts and bolts of this. Again, instead of it being a $2,000 credit to the home builder, it's now increased and sort of sweetened to 2500 per home. There is still an existing prescriptive path to achieve the credit for heating and cooling, but the efficiency of that is increased to 60% above the IECC versus the current 50%. So there's a, a ratcheting up of the efficiency targets. And it does, for the first time, create a performance path, which again ties to the IECC 2018. But the home that would achieve the credit has to be 15% below the efficiency targets of that 2018 IECC. There's also some requirements for building envelope improvements, but I think the greatest part is that this has a five-year lifespan. So as builders are looking to continue to achieve the credit, they can, as Steve mentioned, put their architects and their engineers to work, knowing that this thing has a livelihood that may not expire for half a decade.
1: So this is something focused on builders. The builders receive the credit, correct?
2: Yes. And traditionally, it's ResNet members that will verify the credit. So having it out there, having it available to the builders. And one thing I've seen over the past 10 years working with Steve and others, the larger builders are obviously more able to do sort of economies of scale. But there is a trend. I would say it's a pretty broad trend towards Wanting to purchase products that are environmentally sustainable, you see this in the food industry. You see this people gravitating towards more efficient vehicles and homes are part of that conversation. So, for a new homeowner, first time homebuyer, being able to market to them that this home is more efficient, therefore cheaper to live in over the long term, it's really the consumers, the the home buyers, are really signaling that they are, are looking for efficiency in what is probably their largest investment, their house. And also the
1: additional topics of comfort and health that come from the efficiency topic. One question here, can you tell about engagement? Is there a way to measure the engagement in this program?
2: Sure, and maybe Steve would have some more details on this, but because the credit has not evolved over the past uh, decade or so, hitting that those targets, the 50% improvement on heating and cooling because of technological improvements in the HVAC industry and others, it's sort of easier to get the credit. And what the intent, I think, the legislative intent back when the credit first passed was that this was really to push the industry. It shouldn't be something that's a sort of a layup. This needs to be more of a half-court shot, to use a basketball phrase. So We obviously want efficient homes to be built. That's good for everyone on the planet. But challenging the builder community, pushing the technology forward, that's really what the credit is intended to do. So these increases in efficiency targets are much needed and probably overdue. We've enjoyed working with other stakeholders, not only NRDC, but the Alliance to Save Energy and others groups and obviously the builders themselves to promote the continuation. And I think the technology's there where this will be somewhat easy to achieve. It may not be the layup that it is now, but maybe it's a mid-court shot, but the consumers are, are still gonna demand this. And this has been one of the hottest summers on record. I think people are starting to realize that climate change is not a hoax. There's all kinds of things you could point to, but I think consumers will continue to signal the market that they'd like retrofitted homes, and they'd like to be able to purchase affordable, efficient homes.
1: And they're spending more time in their homes, so it's even more more obvious now, right?
2: (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Captain Obvious. That is absolutely (laughs) true. Sometimes it's overlooked. (laughs) No, that's a great point if we could just stick on that for a minute. Yeah, I think real estate is going to be dramatically shaken up by this pandemic. I think people are going to be, like you said, spending more time in their houses, but working from home more often and probably buying larger footprint homes because of that, because they now actually need to work at that office that they, yeah, the office slash guest room that they used to have is now going to really be the office. And if you've got a two-income family, maybe both people are working from home. And yeah, I think real estate residential is Probably going to go through a bit of a transformation and there'll be different market signals coming out of this pandemic. That's a very good point. So, Steve, let's take
1: it back over to sort of the Raiders and Builders and the ResNet involvement here. And what are you seeing the signals in terms of engagement with this over time? Now it's been 14 years.
3: I think that clearly this has been highly engaged by Raiders because. By and large, they're used as the compliance method. Matter of fact, the IRS rule says that a ResNet, HERS Rader, or another equivalent organization has to verify. The interesting thing about this is the penalty for any cheating on this is actually on the rater. They have to sign a form under the penalty of perjury that the home did meet the tax credit. And clearly, builders saw this and took advantage of it. The unfortunate fact is it couldn't go as far as it could because it's the fits and starts of it. And no builder could really afford to have its product line changed in order to meet the goals with the fits and starts that's taken place. But I have to say that there's been a lot of interest in this and ResNet has been very active in terms of advocating its extension. We just did a call for letters of support to the House and Senate leadership to f- vice support of extending and amending the tax credit beyond 2020 and updating the thresholds of it. And we had almost 400 people that had signed off and it was sent to it. So that shows the interest of the industry in it. But I'd like to go back to one thing for people interested in finding out these in more detail. We have a page on our website That includes the letter that was sent to the leadership and all the signatures, but also it refers to both pieces of legislation. And you can click on it and it actually tells what page it's on. In order to get to that website, you need to go to resnet.us and then click about ResNet and then go to who we are and then go to related links. And then there's a link that says support effort in Congress to extend and amend the 45L tax credit and that's where you will find the two pieces of legislation and policy that Curl talked to. You can actually click that, it uploads it, and it tells you what section and page the section dealing with the 45L credit is.
2: Yeah, Steve had a really good idea to use this HR2 as a rallying cry, and so we were very pleasantly surprised with the hundreds of ResNet members that signed on. And as Steve mentioned, we got that over to uh, staff in Speaker Pelosi's office and at, with the Senate majority and minority leader. Again, there's probably not going to be any activity on HR2 over the next several months, but I do expect this to be a huge Democratic priority moving forward. Just to pivot off of Steve's point there, with the webpage that we created, it really does give you a toolkit on how to engage your member of Congress. And now is as good a time as any. Obviously, we in-person meetings are a little bit frowned upon, but staff are still working. They're still gathering information. They want to, because of the pandemic, they're actually probably more oriented to picking up intel or information about what's out there in terms of policy priorities from their constituents. So now is the perfect time, if you have it, to... Reach out to your member of Congress. You don't have to call Washington, D.C. All members of Congress have local offices, which are probably within 50 miles of where you live. The staff there will schedule a call with you. Just give them a heads up about the legislation that you're interested in. And again, it's HR 2, Section 90424. But you could also just reference uh, 45L tax credit, and the staff should be able to understand where you're coming from pretty quickly but yeah just use this downtime so to speak to um, tell your member of congress that if they return next year as they hope they would or the congressman or woman hopes they would that they should support this they should get to know about it they should understand that there's activity in their congressional district around this that homes are being built and verified to this credit again environmental stewardship tax policy Incentives for saving the planet are going to be front and center for at least the next four years, if not longer. Use this as a time to raise your hand and say, I've got a message for you and send it out there. The one person I should mention, so again, this came out of what's called the Ways and Means Committee in the House. Congressman Mike Thompson from California was the author of this provision that became part of H.R. 2. But there were dozens of Democrats on the Ways and Means Committee who co-endorsed or co-sponsored this. So it's got broad support within the Democratic caucus. Uh, I'm sure the Senate will mirror and have their own proposals, but we want to make sure 45L gets full consideration as the next Congress and the next president, let's say, tries to tackle the climate issue.
1: I'm just going to say, from a personal standpoint, I've gotten involved in a little bit of small business advocacy. And for anyone listening, it's not that difficult. It's not that scary. If you haven't done it, I'm sure a lot of people do uh, that you've never worked with, the both of you. But for people that haven't, please consider it. it is, and the resources provided are fantastic to get the conversation going.
3: To follow up on that, Bill, with the next Congress and when things start moving on this, ResNet's going to step up its advocacy efforts, and Carl's going to be our commander, field commander on that. But Carl and I have been talking about ways that we can reach out to Congress and start focusing as we go forward, identify key players in Congress that we'd be making decisions on this. And we've talked about ideas such as maybe congressional days in which advocates can show up and we can set up meetings with their Congress people to talk about it or with this pandemic, also looking at maybe Zoom constituent meetings with key staff that are dealing with this issue. So you can expect next year, as a new Congress meets, and we see progress on one form or another on energy infrastructure or tax to harness the ResNet network to educate Congress on this, the benefits of this, and how to make it actually work from the ground level.
2: Steve, one of the Things you and I have witnessed, too, is policy staff on Capitol Hill tend to be somewhat siloed. So if you're talking to a tax policy person, they probably don't have a background in home construction or energy efficiency modeling. They understand that X dollars go to this business group for this activity, but they don't understand what the activity is. So that's a real void that Resnet members can fill is walking the staff through an explanation of what goes into a, a home energy rating. What tools are used? What does the rater look for? What are the targets? What technology is used? Anyway, filling in those gaps of knowledge just the mechanics of what goes on at the property when the tax credit's being evaluated. So all those things are something that Resnet members can play a huge role in just giving people a better understanding of what this is. Because again, people may understand tax, but they might not understand energy. So bringing the energy piece to the tax policy folks is a huge value add. And if dozens or hopefully hundreds of resident members are able to do this, then all of a sudden you've got a completely refreshed knowledge base amongst the policymakers. And they're much more comfortable with what we're trying to do because they understand it better.
3: And the nice thing, too, this is not really a partisan issue. As I mentioned, this was born under Republican president with large bipartisan support. And while bits and pieces may be part of the Democratic agenda, I think what we're talking about is a tax credit for the private sector to make its decisions that there is no winners chosen by the government. All these building practices and technologies compete with themselves. And there's also a guarantee that something's done through that performance evaluation and certification by a rater or something clearly that that you can show, and we found out in the past, that Republican congressional staff can understand and actually support. So this is really shouldn't be seen as a Democrat-Republican issue, but rather a fact that that can use the marketplace to lead it to, with the proper signals, to achieving a lot of policy goals that all-American support.
1: I'll say from my perspective, there's an awful awful lot of satisfaction that the customers, the consumers of these homes have from this activity that results in a a better performing house to live in. And the builders having satisfied customers, all this is good for the economy. Mm -hmm. So very good. Gentlemen, I think we've covered the topic pretty well today. I want to give you a chance to each speak kind of any closing thoughts here. First, we'll go to Carl.
2: Sure. As we sort of alluded to, there's an election coming up. Obviously, regardless of your political affiliation, please participate and vote. It's unclear. I mean, it's not over till it's over, as Yogi Berra would say. But I do think that climate policy is going to have to be addressed by the next Congress. Either the Democrats are pushing uphill or they're pushing downhill is, is really what it's going to come down to. But Usually when there's a change of administration, let's assume that that's the case, there's a flurry of activity in the first year. You saw when Obama took office, they did the economic stimulus, which I think you'll see again under a Biden administration. The economy is obviously suffering uh, mightily right now. So there will be continued vehicles and pushes to get money out into the system. And there will probably be a, another attempt at what people would call tax reform. We have spent in the past five months the equivalent of what we would normally spend in four years in terms of federal outlays with all the stimulus money that's already gone out. So there is going to have to be some tax adjustments to recapture that revenue and rebalance the balance sheet. So again, 45L may become part of a tax policy conversation, but it's most likely going to be part of a sort of all-encompassing effort on the environment, which would tackle everything from water purification to solar to renewables, tax credits for production. Everything is in this moving forward HR2 package if you want to read all thousand pages of it. But yeah, 45L is part of the mix. We're going to continue to stay engaged with the other stakeholders. We'd really love it if folks who are listening to the podcast want to take a spin on the uh, advocacy wheel and help us echo these messages to Congress. There is really no better way than having constituents do it. Lobbyists are, unfortunately, not exactly a well-viewed profession. So people sometimes take with a grain of salt what a lobbyist says. But hearing it from a voter in their congressional district, it echoes very loudly. And so there's no better advocates than yourselves. And there's going to be a lot of activity come January. Either way, let's do this activity and not sort of wait for the outcomes. Let's sort of shape the outcome and and really everybody should go out and vote. Thank you. Closing thoughts, Steve.
3: Yes, it's very encouraging to see after a long winter that energy efficiency is back on the map again and that there has been so much focus that, that congressional leaders see 45L as part of this play. What's particularly exciting to me Is that improving the efficiency of homes now is seen as part of a infrastructure package, not just a environmental or energy package. And that's going to become more important as we try to rebuild our economy after the uh, shock that we've gone through the past since February. And the fact that the 45L is in play. Is really encouraging. And I think also it's encouraging to recognize that the old way of 45L fits and starts and based upon a 2006 energy code is not the wave of the future and needs to be changed. And so I am optimistic no matter which party wins or what kind of package there is, we'll see a 45L extension in one form or another through many of the potentials, as Carl talked about. But I think the other thing is, is that ResNet will be active on this front, and we will be tapping into our network to get our voices heard. And we have a webpage already that provides talking points and tools in terms of talking to your congressional office on this. And uh, I think as we move forward, we're going to become more aggressive and just be watching our website for Announcements after the new, the elections over and the new Congress is in session about what activities that you can join in to help us because we need everyone's voice on this.
2: One of the other issues, and again back to that infrastructure conversation, every house that's built in America is also intuitively made in America. There's feel free if even if your member of Congress is maybe not of your party or maybe doesn't agree with you on everything, but. As Steve mentioned, Republicans also understand that job creation is important. So, the technology that goes into an energy efficient home, whether it's a retrofit or a new build, most of those nuts and bolts are made here in the United States. And they're obviously put together by U.S. workers paying U.S. taxes. Whole homes are not shipped overseas from China. I mean, they're built here in the United States using American materials. Feel free to take that out for a spin if you're talking to somebody who may not agree with you. on 90% of policy, don't be shy to reach out and talk about the made in America aspect of an efficient home because that will resonate across the board.
1: And especially I think for raiders and builders and others listening here, it's those personal stories of engagement like you're talking about that drives the point home in addition to the talking points, but the personal stories of engagement can really be persuasive to your congresspeople. Mm-hmm. Excellent podcast here today, and I think we should have you back after the election to just discuss the ramifications in this topic after the election.
3: It will be interesting.
2: Yeah, I'm sure it will be. <laughs> yeah, I won't be at a loss for words on that one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, it weren't today either, but – yeah. You guys work at it, okay? So great. Carl and Steve, thank you for joining us in the Res Talk podcast today. And listeners, we look forward to having your ears back again to share with you some other interesting topics. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Res Talk podcast. You'll find the Advocate Toolkit at resnet.us forward slash about forward slash advocacy. And we know that with COVID-19, it makes in-person meetings almost impossible with congressional staff, but they are working remotely and have adapted to using conference calls and technology like Zoom to engage with constituents. So environmental stewardship is going to be an important touchstone issue for the next four years. And we're really interested in seeing ResNet, the ResNet community, get involved. If you're a pro in the building market, you want to search on over to resnet.us forward slash professional to learn more, to join the email list. Your quote for today do the best with what's thrown at you. Then you try again. That quote is from Mario Andretti. If you're not subscribed to this podcast, please do so. And as always, thank you for
0: listening to ResTalk. Thanks for listening to the Res Talk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spohn and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for Res Talk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes of the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on RezTalk.